Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today we're doing a true crime deep dive into thought crime and the cannibal cop of New York City. First, Steven, how was your week? This is going to be a wild one. I yeah. am doing okay. I'm sitting. It is hot as fuck. We got the air off, so the audio sounds all right. So I'm sitting. <laughs> the sacrifices we make for you people. Just dying over You here. people. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of which, we're back with half the listeners, but twice the power. <laughs> Apparently, we've been offending some people, but sitting in, sitting in my robe, we're speaking truth to power over here. <laughs> doing okay. Honestly, my heart has been palping out all week, and I'm not sleeping enough, and I've been stuck, super stuck on my art and writing, um, but I'm doing good. I got I got tattooed recently. I'm feeling positive, very sleepy. <laughs> but do oh, I feel the sleepy. I know you are. Holy <laughs> shit. But uh, I, yeah, for, for the record, though, my favorite of the dwarves is dopey, not sleepy. What about you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I gotta concur with that, actually. Uh, oh, Steven, it's been a hot one out there. Let me fucking tell you. Yeah, give us the, uh, the scoop. I can't complain too much because I did get a couple of days off last week, but we've been going hard as fuck on some hours lately for a couple weeks straight and it's been hot as fuck outside so it's um you know my job is basically i serve cold drinks to people while i cook in an easy bake oven um (laughs) and it's 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 chill i like it it's just the long hours uh in the last couple weeks i am fucking whooped yeah you can tell you sound i i can tell that i sound off <laughs> hey i sound like i'm sick but i'm not i promise but we're doing it we're grinding through fuck yeah um speaking of grinding through you got some honorable mentions for us yes all right this first artist i, I i'm not sure if i've shown you this dude before or not this is a tattoo artist that does this really cool style they the artists themselves they call it pastel gore or animetal and this this artist name oh i like this dude it's incredible brando cheesa chaza chaza brando chaza on instagram this tattoo artist and illustrator is based in florence italy does this incredible kind of new age pastel gore anime metal tattoo style and it's just so cool it's so fun so gory Tons of pink and purple, very cool color schemes. I'm not super into the anime, but he does it so well. It's just adorable and beautiful and so fucking metal. Yeah, very fucking dope. I really dig it. This dude's the like the up and coming future of tattoo shit. Just so crisp and clear, so saturated. Just really fun. So I know we're gonna be quick on these. So check out. Uh, Brando Chaza on Instagram. We'll have links and post a couple pieces. And then the second honorable mention, this is one you would really like. It's a mini documentary called The Last Meal. It, it's like a, they called it a hybrid doc because it's basically just beautiful camera shots of food as a narrator speaks over and tells a story right very very simple minimalism 
but it's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. So it's it's called The Last Meal. It's on YouTube currently being hosted by Vice. And the description is capital punishments simmers in a boiling pot of controversy. Amidst the political and religious debate surrounding the issue, one thing sets tongues wagging more than the others. What do the condemned eat before their execution? Last Meal presents a banquet of death row inmates, final feasts, and through them shines a light on our understanding of the individual and the institutions melting out capital punishment. Yeah, um, it's that's al- that's always been a, an interesting thing to me ever since I was little, and I I found out that that's a thing. I'm looking into the last meal of like you know the heinous killers and shit like that, like a Bundy just a, or a Gacy or whatever. Yeah, it's just a weird little insight thing. Like what I don't know. It's a, it's once again for me, it's something that I. It's like a food is relative to everybody, right? Yeah. So that this doc it, it covers both of those killers because all these all your last meals it's all recorded in like officially recorded shit and sometimes mm-hmm. they'll grant it to you and other times they say they do and don't and the tradition stems from Jesus's Last Supper and that they oh I didn't know that yeah it it gets into some really interesting history it talks about the Hannibal eating the bird under the your napkin so you're not seen by God it goes. Into all these weird facets and history of the uh, justice system and executions in general, but it it presents a very clever and entertaining example of of what is an effective documentary style and way to start political conversation around an issue. So it it's really clever. They do a couple kind of goofy things, but overall. It's a, it's like eye candy to watch. It's like beautiful food porn with a really twisted, interesting story. <laughs> All right, I'm into it. You, you'll dig it, especially. Right, cool. But I think with that said, that that's our uh, little artist to check out art stuff. I think we should get into the case of the cannibal cop. What do you say? Yeah, let's roll on into it. Our innermost thoughts are deeply personal. And there is something nearly sacred about our inner monologue of our mind. For most people, most thoughts tend to be relatively benign. But other times, even the innocent mind wanders. The word thought crime was coined by George Orwell in his 1949 dystopian novel, 1984. Thought crime is unorthodox or controversial thinking, considered as a criminal offense or as socially or politically unacceptable. In Orwell's novel, these thoughts were policed. But who's going to police the police? And what happens when the police are the ones to contemplate crime? Well, thanks to NYPD officer Gilberto Vale, dubbed by the media as the cannibal cop, we get to see where the fuzzy line between fantasy and crime is drawn. First things first, if you're listening, go check out our biggest source for today. The documentary Thought Crimes, The Case of the Cannibal Cop is a 2015 American documentary film directed and produced by Aaron Lee Carr. The film follows Gilberto Vale, a formal NYPD cop who was charged with conspiracy to kidnap and eat women. So this one's going to get dark. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just a little, just a little fucked. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the guy. Yeah. 
Gilbert, I can't say it either. <laughs> I, 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 I almost ragged on you for not being able to say it. I got it perfect the first time, and now yeah. I'm going to stutter. Vail. <laughs> yeah, from now on, referred to as Vail. Yeah. Vail was born in the mid-80s. His parents separated when he was young. He was raised in Queens, New York, and attended Archbishop Malloy High School. He attended the University of Maryland, graduating in 2006 with a degree in psychology. Yeah, so, so keep in mind... He has a psych degree and is a cop. And I, I didn't realize that initially, but I, in reflecting on it, I think that particular combination puts a lot of his actions in context for me. Yeah. Vail joined the New York Police Department in 2006 and was assigned to the 26th Precinct in Morningside Heights, Manhattan. He met a woman on a dating website, OKCupid, and married her in Spokane, Washington in 2010. They had a daughter in early 2012. After Vale's daughter was born, he became active on Dark Fetish Net, a forum dedicated to sexual fetishes and fantasies involving torture, rape, murder, and cannibalism, which is just an awesome thing to do right after your daughter. Yeah, a real chill <laughs> thing to do when, you know, you have a kid to take care of. And I'm all for the fetish websites, kink, uh, fet life. I'm all for it, but... It seems a little weird to get into it after your daughter is born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vale chatted with 24 other users about kidnapping, raping, torturing, killing, and cannibalizing more than 100 women, including his wife. In 21 of the 24 conversations, Vale made clear that what he was saying was just fantasy. Writing in one email conversation, quote, No matter what I say, it's make-believe. I just have a world in my mind, unquote. Vale's attitude in the other three conversations ranged from ambiguity about his intentions to claiming that he was sincere. During the day, Vale patrolled the city of New York as a cop, and at night, as his wife and baby slept in the nearby room, he's chatting about how to torture and eat women. Damn. Vale often, but not always, attempted to protect himself from potential re repercussions by making it known in the chats that these were strictly fantasy, but due to the depths of his obscenity, it felt like a flimsy defense at best, and at worst, an insidious use of artistic license that he attempted to wield as a shield to protect himself. When asked by other chatters in private, Vale would state his cannibal intentions were real. Yeah, he's really playing both sides of the coin knowingly you know yeah yeah and how creepy is it the idea of uh you know you see a cop walking down the street to like know what their their internet history was like and you see that kind of shit you're like oh my god oh, yeah this dude's gonna murder me dude i had one time <laughs> i was with a mutual friend we know and this cop said <laughs> he was arresting someone else but he said i've killed kids in the war younger than you and he took off his gun and set it down and said, go into the woods. And he wanted to fight like a group of kids. What? <laughs> that, that cop later assaulted me. And I was unable to press charges because they, they had to drop the charges. It got weird. <laughs> got Jesus, fuck. But imagine like seeing their search history. or You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. That gets crazy. Many people such as Vale sail the dark seas of the internet, never having encountered a fed in the chat. <laughs> But Vale would not be so lucky. But that's not how he was first caught. Suspicious of his endless late-night video game sessions, Vale's wife had become curious as to what was really happening when she went to sleep. His wife installed spyware onto his computer. What she discovered was worse than she could have ever imagined. 
She saw the sites he was on, and she was ultimately able to get into his secret email account and found pictures of their friends being sent to strangers with detailed accounts of his violent plans. That very night, she left with her baby. During the trial, she found out that he had even uploaded photos of her to some of the websites and encouraged others in their violent fantasy about murdering and eating her. Upon discovering the dark side of her husband, Vale's wife immediately reported him to the police. On October 25th of 2012, Vale was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit kidnapping. He was fired from the NYPD following his arrest. Initially, NYPD took the public stance that Vale was merely engaging in private fantasy, but apparently they decided to throw him to the wolves and distance themselves from their fellow officer. Yeah, I feel like I understand why they would want to defend him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense that they would also want to get as far away from him as right, exactly. possible. As you can imagine, leading up to the trial, the press just fucking crucified him. But as the trial began, it only got more complicated. As his legal defense claimed, it was all just sexual fantasy and that he was being prosecuted for imaginary crimes. The court case began to revolve around the concept of thought crime, as none of the actions he had wrote about in the chat rooms could be proven to have taken place. The FBI had obtained plans of violence and cannibalism from the various fetish chats. Uh, There was actually a similar case in Canada. Mm -hmm. There's a documentary called Catching Killers on Netflix with a really wild story of a similar situation (laughs) that was about this website called the Zambian Meat Forum. Oh, cool. And it was like a deep internet thing, but people would pass around the URL and the cover was like a real snuff photo of a woman on a spit roast. It it was super fucked. Right. But the, the cops did this whole thing on that, but it got really interesting because initially the police arrested the wrong person. Oh, wow. Also used these fantasy cannibal websites. Um, but they later found the real killer, Bruce MacArthur, uh, who also used the Zambian meats cannibal site. So there's, there's a lot of this weird shit out there. Yeah. 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 And although tempted, we decided against reading any of Vale's chats, just because this stuff is super fucking graphic and violently sexual. (laughs) All the cannibal fetish dudes online are crazy as fuck and some really dark stuff. They often tend to be organized and their plans are super detailed. Sometimes these plans are with consensual partners and it's like just kind of like a really fetish, I don't know, centered BDSM. Yeah. Um, but other times it's with non-consenting victims. They often have written instructions from kidnapping methods to how they would cook and eat their victims with prepared recipes and custom kitchen hardware. They all seem to be obsessed with crafting and operating that perfect spit roast fire pit with an impaled victim. That's some old school Bugs Bunny ass shit, man. (laughs) I was thinking you're going to say like old school medieval shit, but there's a little bit of Bugs Bunny Yeah, that's happened a couple times in some Looney Tunes cartoons. With uh, Daffy or, Duck, or like the big old the big old pot of uh, of water, the cauldron over the fire, and it's like uh, gets in it thinking it's like a like a hot tub, and then like cutting the eat, carrots. Yeah, eating the carrots in it and shit, and like, oh, oh what's my. going on here? 
Dude, cannibals are basically Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also these whole communities of willing BDSM submissive fetishists. And there's this crossover between the communities over VOR. Yeah. Short for VORophilia or, or VORophilia. It is a fetish in which one fantasizes about being eaten alive or eating another creature alive. A notorious example of this is that German dude who ate the the willing victim's penis. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and the, the, the guy whose penis he ate, he died. And apparently, Germany didn't really have, like, extensive laws about willing cannibalism. You know, of course, because they're German. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's uh, that sauerbraten for you. <laughs> yeah. That that dude almost got away with it. They had to do some like pretty tricky legal maneuvering, and I believe it inspired like future law changes. Yeah, but well, that's I mean that's how laws work. Is like yeah, they for don't, sure they don't exist until someone like fucks it up for the yeah. rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't eat penises anymore. God damn, damn it! it. <laughs> the fuck is this country coming to? But man, this the whole like dark. Internet fetish world it is a weird place. It, it I, can get wild as fuck, man. Like it makes us look like church boys. <laughs> it it really does. I, and I've experimented. I've been on a oh, couple. Oh yeah, you've things, been on the dark webs. <laughs> but the fetish chats are just a little a little too bold for me. Yeah. Hell, even some people's like Instagram comments get really wild underneath, <laughs> like some you know like Instagram model fucking shit. Dude, people are out of the control. Are, yeah, they are off their goddamn rocker. Just peaches and <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite squirt. Gun. My favorite is when they they talk to them like like Hey, baby, like what you doing? And it's like like she's gonna respond to you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> like she's like she's comment. she's been waiting for this sixty year old horny man to to come into her life. <laughs> With with nothing to to note other than a, a couple of uh, bad poorly angled shots on his Instagram, a little plate of some craft mac and cheese, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, due to the nature of uh, anonymity uh, online and the role playing aspect of fantasy, it is intensely difficult to tell what is real uh, or not, and which people are the ones who actually plan to commit violent acts. Yeah, that. That I think would be a nightmare. Yeah, as a, that's an officer. Yeah, there's there's so much of that, especially if it's it's not even like you're thinking about it, but you're talking about it, and it's like, but it's like you're just larping. Yeah, and I think some of that is good. It's just it's hard to know where the line is, and obviously right, right. that this guy far stepped over it. But there's a ton of, you know. Whether it's fetish or BDSM, there's tons of those communities online that are healthy, positive communities, right? It's yeah, yeah. not all bad, but it's hard to know, you know, even if like a just a bomb threat, school shooting, whatever, it's really hard to know, like swatting, like all that shit. It's yeah. hard to know how hard the police should react to people talking shit online. Is that still a thing that people do? Yes. Is swat, swatting people? I've watched three people get swatted live this month that's fucking ridiculous (laughs) like i'm watching a lot of streams and shit i I know ethan ralph got swatted a dude in a 
a Republican dude in a Destiny debate got swatted, and then I watched a video of some other dude. But it still is actively happening. There has to be huge consequences to that at yes. this point. A couple people have died. Well, I mean, like, n- not even that, but, like, for the people that, like, that are, like, in their stream or whatever that, like, make it yeah. happen, that are, like, you know, giving false information to the police or something, you know, like, saying, like, hey, this is He's happening. He's got a weapon on him. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, and Wasting the police- their fucking time. The police rule out some repeat, like, call-ins, but the thing is, the people that do it are the really smart. So, they are taking advanced- precautions and calling from a computer in another country with a spoofed phone number and they give very detailed like clever information that makes it difficult for the police to ignore uh i i recently read an interview with a guy he later did get busted but he only got busted for like one charge of calling in uh, a fake threat and on someone else and he did like maybe five years but he had called in like well over a hundred different SWAT calls Jesus fuck and it's like they can only get him for a couple years in prison like it's 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 just tricky that's a hard thing yeah so speaking of time in prison you may be wondering how long can a person face in prison for talking about committing crimes and that is a wonderful question (laughs) Vale faced a maximum of life in prison for conspiracy charges and an additional potential of five years for accessing the Federal National Crime Information Center database without authorization. Yeah. Not only was he bold enough to use the police databases to research potential victims, he sometimes would visit the fetish websites on his police-issue laptop. (laughs) Vale's wife testified against him during the trial. Throughout the trial, Vale claimed that the chat room communications were mere fantasy and he had no intention of acting on them. Yeah, it's egregious that he was using the databases. Yeah. Even if it was just like for basically like jack off material to to use an actual database with people's like identity, you know, location, details, family shit, whatever. Like yeah. That's that's too that's much. a huge breach. That's fucked for, up. Yeah. So the question is, is this just a deep, dark fantasy, or did he actually intend to act upon these thoughts and ideas? And this all comes down to intent. So in criminal law, intent is a subjective state of mind that must accompany the acts of certain crimes to constitute a violation. In criminal law, this intent or, quote, decision to bring about a prohibited consequence is called mens rea. So a large part of Vale's court case was about trying to prove or disprove his actual subjective intent to commit the kidnappings. These types of cases, hinging on uh, mens rea, are intentionally difficult to prove in the courts as they protect our freedoms of speech and they prevent people from being charged with violent acts that they would never actually intend to commit. In the United States, we may have the freedom to say what we want, but it doesn't mean our words don't have consequences. Right. A range of words represent shades of intent in criminal law around the world. The mental element of murder, for example is traditionally expressed as malice of forethought, and the interpretations of malice, maliciously and willful, vary between pure intent and reckless or negligence, depending on the jurisdiction in which the crime was committed and the seriousness of the offense. The intent element of a crime, such as intent to kill, may exist without a malicious motive, 
or even with a benevolent motive, such as in the case of euthanasia. These words are subjective classifications used to dictate what level of offense we charge people with. Intent is often defined on the following basis. A person intends a consequence when they 1. foresee that it will happen if their given series of acts or omissions continue, and 2. they desire it to happen. The most serious level of culpability, justifying the most serious levels of punishment, is achieved when both these components are actually present in the accused minds. A person who plans and executes a crime is considered, rightfully or wrongfully, to be a more serious danger to the public than one who acts spontaneously, perhaps because they are less likely to get caught, whether out of a sudden opportunity to steal or out of anger to injure another. We can see this reflected in the psychological classifications of serial killers as organized or disorganized as well. Yeah. So now that we kind of have our terms defined with intent, which is what defines Vale's guilt or innocence in this case, let's review some of the evidence. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the evidence against Vale. Part of the proof of conspiracy is what is called overt acts or steps made in the direction to further commit a crime. So some of the overt acts that were used as evidence against him were, one, he researched chloroform. This is weirdly similar to Casey Anthony. Yeah. So they they found the baby, right? The dead baby right. that was in her woods. Yeah. And the police didn't have a IT like computer technician search her computer, and they searched Internet Explorer search history and neglected to check Mozilla Firefox, which oh. she apparently used, and she didn't clear her history, and she had instructions for how to make chloroform from the day before that they just happened to miss until after she was ruled innocent. Wow. Yeah. A second one, he acquired the tools and weapons he mentioned in the chat, such as a stun gun. Third one, he used police databases to research and stalk victims. That's the big one yeah. for me, is, is the use of the police databases. Yeah. Getting information that he otherwise would not have been able to get, any normal right. person wouldn't be able to, using overstepping the boundaries of his, his role in society. Yeah, um, it takes it farther from fantasy and closer to reality. Yeah. yeah. Four, he traveled to check in on victims. This one's a bit debatable because it was one victim – Mm -hmm. That they had proof that he physically followed up on, but it was a friend from college, yeah. and he took his wife and kids with him to visit. So that could be either seen as really nefarious, right? That you're using your your baby and wife as like cover to yeah. kidnap a woman, or it could be like, yeah, you have this fantasy about this woman, but you're really just friends from college, and it's whatever yeah that's, like it, it just stopped there it's hard to say yeah like that's really complicated he did have some sort of pulley system in his basement that's bad yeah <laughs> uh when, when we say pulley system and and these custom kitchen things like these are plans people are making or blueprints or whatever online of like pulley systems with meat hooks to move a either living or dead body to make it easier to cannibalize them yeah like it's that's pretty fucked and he also had a detailed blueprint and plans on how to use his tools and potentially cooking instructions yeah they didn't want to go into detail on how much 
we really don't know how much of this was centered around cannibalism. Right. Right. Yeah. They, There's they a really... lot of like kidnapping focus. Yes. But it would it what it usually allotted to was it was kidnapping for the purpose of cannibalism. Right. So we do have some overt acts, but it was not as strong of evidence as is ideal because prosecutors don't have ironclad proof of his state of mind and intentions. One of the jurors would go on to say, we know he was sick, but it was not our job to determine if he was sick, but if the conspiracy was valid. It was hard to know which parts of the chats were real or fantasy. Things got even more sinister as he began to take online orders to kill for other people online for pay, but the other chatters never intended to follow through and also claimed that this was strictly fantasy. Basically, fetish people talking shit while they masturbate online. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, you want to you know, help me kill this oh, person? Yeah. Oh, I'll kill her. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then they're like, you know. <laughs> Sorry the, for the that Addy. audio clip. I just made you. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> we just got a new intro. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> okay, so now let's go to the things that are not evidence. <laughs> This is, this sounds like, I don't know, like it doesn't matter, but he never had an oven. He didn't even have an oven, guys. <laughs> he didn't have an oven big enough for a person. Why are we even talking about this? Now, I will say, if that's the evidence that proves your innocence, <laughs> you're still not doing so great, you know? But uh, although the chats used to charge him required his use of an oven. Yeah. Like, all his fantasies required these ovens to cook a person that he never had. Yeah. So, him not having it doesn't mean he's innocent, but it does mean, like, he wasn't fully prepared to do the things he was speaking about. Yeah. And that's why it's in the not evidence category. Yeah. He still did not have many of the other tools he needed or talked about. He often would lie, and he would make up past victims, plans, or lied about his past violence to other people. Mm -hmm. So this is evidence of him lying to others in, in his way of engaging in fantasy. That's why his defense were, were yeah. using these points. His defense also argued his words were merely an immersive form of fantasy role-playing, no one puts Stephen King in jail or tries to arrest Hannibal. Well, they do try to arrest Hannibal. <laughs> and I think Stephen King may have a coke charge. <laughs> yeah. I'm not but, positive. Yeah, they're not picking him up for the uh, killer clown thing. His defense team also argued the evidence was insufficient and that he was being prosecuted for his thoughts. And I think how they spun that narrative was really wise mm -hmm. because it got the public to think, hey, this dude's kind of fucked up, but he didn't do anything. Yeah. And that was their big thing. Like, this is thought crime. This is, you know, policing our our, our thoughts and yeah. shit. It's like, hey, guys, we all think weird shit. This guy just got busted for it. And typed it out. Yeah, this guy just got called out for it. Yeah, this guy typed some shit out. And, and here's the biggest one to his innocence. This is really, in my opinion, the one that kind of matters. <laughs> yeah, this is the important one. <laughs> yeah, this, this one's the important one. He never actually committed any violent actions. Yeah. That's, that's kind of fucked. <laughs> yeah, that kind of says it all. Not, yeah. not at all, but it says, you know... Good chunk of it. Yeah. 
So when reflecting on her son's actions, his mom cried while saying, he's not a cannibal, he never ate anyone. But he was clearly sick and lost in his own ugly fantasy. But does that deserve a life in a cage? Facing his life sentence, Vale would wait until jail until his trial in 2013. God, dude, it would suck to be known as a cannibal. Like, I can't, you're the cannibal cop, but you never even got to eat anyone. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I feel like the irony was pretty cruel in that. Yeah. <laughs> At least let him have a nibble. Yeah, let him have a nibble. Or, you know, well, I guess the, he was in solitary for a lot of it. The prosecutors tried to state that his Google searches alone should be considered overt actions as evidence of his guilt. The digital era was blurring the lines between fantasy and reality, and the courts were struggling to understand how to adapt. I I think that's a really interesting aspect, because we all have Googled some weird shit. And I remember um, that, you know, that How to Catch a Murderer Mm -hmm. on Netflix. It was like a, a big reversal murder case thing. But there is evidence of one of the potential killers was like googling like underage and like violent like uh real rape porn shit and he had thousands of searches mm-hmm. right where it shows a very clear like mental problem and desire for something that is illegal yeah right and i think something like that kind of speaks to someone's character or likelihood of of violence Mm -hmm. but it's hard to say like how guilty does googling chloroform or looking up a weird website make you it's uh that's tricky yeah i mean it it says something especially with so like even like just research we've done for this podcast my search (laughs) history is fucked yeah, we, we defended terrorists two weeks yeah. ago or whatever. Now we're, now we're on Zambian meats. Uh, <laughs> the the first thing that um, – so when I first got a smartphone, it was like I got one way later than most people did. I was showing it off to a couple friends at the bar. And the first thing that someone does, uh, the girl I was friends with grabbed it and then held up the, the like, you know, hey, Siri, how do I hide a body? And it was like, don't uh, fucking do that to me. <laughs> damn, that's funny, but shit yeah. as fuck. <laughs> damn. So I think the use of the police databases is the big one. And that may have been enough to convict him of something as he was basically hunting for potential victims. That that part is kind of the hinging factor outside of intent that makes this confusing for me but if that part of the story did not happen and we ignore it just for a minute don't don't worry we, we can we can re-remember it in just a minute mm-hmm. but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just leave it aside for a sec i don't think they should have been able to charge him with anything yeah i really think it's as simple as he didn't do anything and he never laid a finger on anyone yeah. and that sucks. This sucks. This is not like a, a case anyone should leave that courtroom feeling good about. Right. And I think maybe there should have been repercussions. I know we're getting to it, but there probably should have been repercussions for the database stuff. But yeah. I don't see how you can be guilty of something you didn't do. Yeah. Vail was found guilty of all charges <laughs> in March 2013. But. <laughs> 
The case drew widespread attention for its unusual nature and for the question it posed. At what point does exploration of dark fetishes become a criminal conspiracy? Vale spent 21 months in prison between his arrest and the conclusion of his trial, seven of them in solitary confinement. And then we get our first big Uno reversal. Yeah. (laughs) Vale's, I fucking hate the justice system. Vale's attorney appealed the court decision, and many freedom of speech advocates advocated for the charges to be overturned. So he gets convicted of these charges, Mm. and basically there's pressure to reverse them. (laughs) Judge Paul D. Gardiff? That's the right way to say that. Old Paulie G. Paulie G. Gardiff. A federal district court uh, um, overturned Vail's conviction on the conspiracy charge in June 2014, saying the evidence supported his contention that he was engaged in only fantasy roleplay. Vail had at this point served 21 months in prison. The lesser conviction regarding the database remained standing, but Vail was sentenced to time served and released. The judge ruled rather strongly in his favor, and he was acquitted due to lack of evidence at trial, having spent 17 months in jail and was released on house arrest to live with his mom. Hey, that's kind of a base judge. Now, keep in mind, as these cases are ongoing, he's almost at, you know, a year and a half, whatever, two years of his life in prison. So, it's still, you know, adding up. But the government prosecution, after the judge overturned it and acquitted him, the government prosecution attempted to overturn the reversal. That's so it. Now, here's the thing, is... It's actually really good that the courts can right. Do this, it's just it seems so. It like your your Uno your Uno uh, analogy tracks really heavy. So the prosecution overturn or attempts to overturn the reversal by appealing to the Second Circuit Court. So we have our second Uno reversal. <laughs> the Second Court affirmed Vale's innocence and wrote an opinion stating, "Because we agree that there is insufficient evidence as to the existence of a genuine agreement to kidnap and of Vale's specific intent to commit a kidnapping, we affirm the district court's judgment of acquittal on the conspiracy count." They additionally went on to state that the charges related to using the police databases were to be dismissed as well, which seems a bit excessive. Yeah, I feel like, okay, you know, get the kidnapping off of him, but he did use the database. Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, my understanding that basically after the first trial, Vail got the charges dropped due to lack of evidence, and the prosecutors appealed it to the higher court, the Second Circuit, who agreed the evidence was insufficient, so Vail was acquitted. Keep in mind, an acquittal does not mean you are innocent. It just means that they are not able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you are guilty. So this is where we get our our triple reverse. Uno is fucked and so are the courts. <laughs> Due to acquittal, Vale's case was appealed by prosecutors and he was charged a second time. This time, the prosecution claimed that the fine line between fantasy and reality was crossed when he met with one of the targeted women with his family. This is the woman he was friends with in college. And because he told a fellow chatter online about it, the prosecution argued that this qualified the action as an overt act, demonstrating intent to uh, intent to commit the kidnapping and thus charged him with conspiracy to kidnap a second time. So despite it 
him being charged, it being overturned, it going to a higher court and being approved that it was overturned and he was acquitted, because it was an acquittal and not an innocence charge, the courts decided to charge him a second time. And this time, their basis to prove he had intent to commit the kidnapping was that he told another chatter online about him visiting the victim. So basically, Vale is talking to his video game sex fetish buddy, and he says, hey, I ended up seeing that chick, and I jacked off about it. And the court's like, hey, you told someone else about it. This proves your intent. And I think there's something to that, but also mm. it sounds like he was bragging to a fetish chat. Yeah, you know? yeah. The defense countered with messages from other chatters who went on to ask Vale for some of these women's addresses. Vale said he could not do that and had to go, repeatedly. Although he sometimes shared pictures of the women, which is so fucked yeah. up. That's, there should be different charges just right. for that, I think. Um, but anytime, he, he was willing to share some of those pictures, but anytime people asked for addresses or other real-world identifying details, such as location, he refused. So it's fucking tricky, because the pictures he was sharing were not, like, pornographic or, like, revenge porn or any of that. It was just, like, normal pictures, right? right? And these fucking sick fucks online would be like, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z. And he's sharing pictures of, like, women in his life. And I I think that's worthy of some sort of charge. Yeah, that's... At, at the very like mildest form of it, it's fucking weird, dog. Like, yeah. there's definitely something fucked up with that. Like, I don't yeah. know how illegal it is, you know, to take pictures off of somebody's, you know, MySpace and and share it with other people. But fuck, there's something there's something wrong about it. I don't think it is. I really, oh, think I, that I know type- it's not, but there's there's a vibe about it in in yeah, context yeah. that. Makes it harassment, yeah, like some, something, yeah, something there. Um, so this time around, the conspiracy charges were once again dropped, but he was charged with the illegal use of the police database again. Yay. He was sentenced with time served and was able to leave the courthouse a free man. Yeah, they had already, you know, jerked him around so much with these ongoing court cases and the time he had already spent in jail yeah. that by the time they actually charged him with using these police databases, that time was served already. Yeah. So he he left the court after being charged a second time, a free man, which has to be so fucking surreal. Like for him, and I cannot imagine how his wife felt. Right. Like, fuck that. I would have been pissed. Yeah. And I, I think he should have been let go free, unfortunately. But man, if I was his family or whatever, oh my god, I'd be pissed. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that is the problem here. So like, like you said earlier, there's nothing comfortable about. There's no there's no way to feel good about this. Regardless, it's like, should he have been? You know, should he have faced kidnapping charges? No. Should he have faced the conspiracy to kidnap charges? Technically, even still, no. He did some fucked up shit, but. There is just something uncomfortable about that, especially the people that were close to it, for those people to know that he is free and that there, there is a potential. There is still a potential that 
you know. Yeah, th- this guy still might potentially kill and eat women. Yeah. Like, that's a very possible reality. Right. And I, what, part of what I never understand is why don't the courts sometimes shoot for the lesser charges? It's like they, it's like they're frat bros who are like, no, we're going big or going right, home. right. Like, they don't, yeah. like, why not give them five years probation for like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, there's a bunch of shit. I'm sure they could find a way to to make stick better that are kind of in the middle instead of trying to put someone in a cage for the rest of their life for not actually physically harming yeah, someone. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is pretty it's fucked. It's confusing. It's really fucking confusing. Do you think... How, how do you feel about him? Dude, like, I don't do, even fucking know. It's, do you just like think this is like an interesting... I think it's very interesting case? for sure. I, I feel like the... I, I don't know. Like I like I just said, I guess I I don't know. I I feel like did he do some wackadoo shit? Sure. Um, like beyond, uh, did he do some wackadoo shit beyond just fantasizing about you know whatever? Yes. It definitely it wasn't worth life in jail for what he had actually yeah. done. But creepy. he, I don't know. Do you think he's creepy? Oh, like, for did, sure. Yeah. yeah, I. Here's the thing. He's definitely creepy. But and, and like, you know, we said he's he's got a psych background. Mm-hmm. So we understand some of the shit and he's a cop and it's possible he is high-level narcissist or like really good at lying, deceptive, but it doesn't feel that way. One of the lines he said in the documentary is like I could never hurt a person. I couldn't even harm a butterfly. Which is really confusing because he was a cop. Right, and, exactly. But he really did, he he feels like a timid, empathetic nerd. Like, part of me really thinks, like, he, like, doesn't have the viciousness needed to do the things he he fantasizes about. And I, I could be wrong on that. And if if I was wrong about that, he really would be, like, kind of pulling pulling one over you know but i i kind of i feel more like he's pathetic than like repulsive i i feel that i feel that too i i think that and at least and so aside from the the you know the charges and the you know cannibal and kidnapping shit there's enough things about you know watching dude and hearing hearing him talk in the uh, the uh, documentary that made me uncomfortable, you know, yeah. about him. But like that being said, I feel like if he had actually planned to do it, this probably you know like the scare straight situation where like he's definitely not going to do it anytime soon. He's I don't he's know. in like he's in kind of hot and he's you know. I think if he actually was going to do the things, I think he still would be striking now, like sooner than I don't think he could resist if he actually was going to. You know? I don't know. I don't know either. Fuck that's one of those like you know, we we love the uh the whole serial killer thing because there's a different machination. There's something different that clicks in in that head that 
most people don't have. There's a different element. So, like, you're not meant to understand it. If you do, then, you know, you are also, you know, potentially, you know, capable Uh, of this. But I have three things. (laughs) First of all, I feel like I do understand a lot of these things. And that may be because I'm kind of fucked. Well, yeah, we know this, Stephen. This is this Second is like thing. Steven realizing he's a hater. I may yeah, I might be kind of fucked, guys. <laughs> I guess I don't have a third thing, but the second thing <laughs> is I would really like a macaroon right about now. That's <laughs> Dude, you fucked me up with that. A machinations? I just want to eat macaroons. <laughs> I uh I would just started to take a sip of water while you said that. <laughs> I was hoping I was gonna say <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so Vale's arrest and divorce led to a media frenzy of blood-curling proportions. But all the while, Vale maintained his innocence, and he eventually was vindicated after successfully arguing that his cannibalistic curiosity was all part of a deviant but fictional sexual fantasy. Vale soon readjusted to the free world, and even got back to the dating game. On his Match.com profile, under his listed interest, he had cooking. <laughs> that's pretty Yeah, bold. that's pretty... I mean, you know, maybe it was tongue-in-cheek. It's, gotta it's almost got to be, bit, right? right? It's a bold, but he... I mean, there was this, a, he's a funny man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very funny guy. That's, how, that's how Cosby got away with it. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like... I do resonate with this though. There's a not I not resonate with, but I I it struck me as like, oh yeah, that's a wild concept to think of. I, was I feel it in my bones because I am simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> St- I'm just really resonating. No, 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 with not this. not with the cooking part, but with the dating thing in general. How how are you saying like at, so let's say I do meet a girl on here, like at what point do I have the conversation about like all of this ever and it's like oh yeah that's a wild question you lie because you were yeah you lie about it forever (laughs) yeah honestly you'll never google your name (laughs) (laughs) you gotta change your name but the courts found you innocent i feel like if if you actually were innocent and you never were going to do it and it was just fantasy feel like unless you find a really understanding partner you might be better off not sharing it yeah obviously that changes if you were actually going to yeah do it, but. but i also feel like i don't know i guess normal people do people google each other is that a normal thing I that people like, do i feel like at s- some point when you date a person for a really long time you do it so the, the, not out of the vanity google out of, yeah just like hey let's see what other uh you know xyz's come up in this location like you you did what (laughs) right you were on trial for what (laughs) dude imagine his wife finding out that night oh my god smart she she was a strong fucking woman she took that baby and got the fuck out immediately like good for her and it, it is fucked to have to put spyware shit on your partner's stuff like that's not okay yeah but she obviously 
had a very in- intuitive nature and, you know, suspected something she was right let, about. Let me so. ask you this, too. So there's a um, a part in the documentary where he is saying that he deleted his accounts and everything, yeah. like, the day after she put the spyware on. Yeah. And it was like... He was like, I'm done with it. It was over. Yeah, she it was just like, isn't that crazy? To- isn't that crazy? And it's like, that sounds... Exactly like, like something a guilty yeah, a person would say, and and he's telling it to his mom, like yeah, trying to get yeah, yeah, sympathy yeah. for. But the thing is, is right. She left that night, which means she was gone with her baby, his baby, their baby in the morning, yeah. right? So if you deleted it the next day, at that point you're already wondering why the fuck is my wife and kid gone? Yeah. Like well, I, I don't think I don't think it was that. So she she left after she found that information, not that, um, not the. So it wasn't like the night that she put the spyware on his computer, because you you put the spyware on and then you get information from it later on. So there was like a couple of days periods where we don't. Well, know. Yeah, well, you would assume that there's yeah. at least a day in there where. Unless she's watching it live, you know. And in two thousand twelve, a housewife <laughs> is hacked into hey. her her husband's computer. Dude, spyware is easy. It's fucked, but I I, I don't know. I I definitely to your point though. I definitely don't believe him that oh, he was yeah, deleting yeah, yeah, no, it. I think that was some hot it, bullshit. She happened to catch on like right after or before he was like right during his. That's that's like that's like the excuse that a little kid gives when they're like, "I was, I already did stop. I already like I did wasn't I I wasn't already doing that anymore." Like, I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely used the line like, "Oh, I got caught using heroin, but it was my last time. I was was (laughs) never gonna do it. I I was my it was for sure. I was already gonna quit." I was getting sober <laughs> right after this half a gram. Yeah. Fire dope. <laughs> Fire dope. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Gotta get right before you get clean, dog. So, Vales, he's on, He's dating. He's free. What the fuck is he gonna so do? He, huh? Well, then he would go on. <laughs> he, he thought, what do I do next? He writes a memoir and a novel. Eh. Yeah, I get it. Even though I've been completely exonerated, all this stuff about Cannibal Cop is still there. Writing the book comes down to me trying to find a way to make a living, which I get, especially if the entire – this whole trial thing is like – it's everyone else's perspective on it, not yours. So – yeah. That trial destroys your life. Yeah. You have no money, no income, no means to make a living. Like you have so, to do yeah, something. Yeah, it it does absolutely make sense to like try to make something out of it. At least get your side of the story out. And, and yeah, cash in a yeah. bit. You know, your reputation's fucked anyway. So Vale's new book, A Gathering of Evil, explores his fascination with killing and eating women through the lens of a group of sadists who kidnap young New Yorkers. <laughs> the book was released in 2018 and has 3.9 stars out of 5 on Amazon. One review stated Vale's a quite a good writer and is, quote, flying his freak flag proudly in his book. <laughs> that seems fucked to me. He wrote a Fifty Shades of Grey-like style book, but it involves a cult 
basically that kidnaps people in New York. Yeah. Like, that sounds so fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. I mean, <laughs> the, the memoir, him, the memoirs I thing I get. The yeah, writing yeah. a novel about it. I mean, I guess. I, I, I think guess. it's smart of him to write fantasy. I mean, that's what he was good at, apparently. Yeah. It makes sense. This just sounds like a dumb book, but apparently people are eating it up. I just, I, I <laughs> just, love, I just love the the different um, the reviews of it. He's quite a good writer. <laughs> yeah, you, to go check the Amazon reviews. There's actually there's an interesting case of the Amazon review killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the and he would kill people and then rate the tools he yeah. bought on Amazon. And you can still see his review. I think they're deleted now, but you can see like screenshots of all the reviews he yeah. left that were like jokes about how they could help you with a murder. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why people just took it as a joke because it's and it would get tons of upvotes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. So Vale said his book was very graphic and not for everyone, but it was a total fantasy. And I also think this helps kind of establish. That his innocence was justified in a way, you yeah, know, like yeah. by proving you you're a fantasy writer. Basically, it gives some credence to whether it's true or not. It helps justify that you were innocent. Yeah. He said it's a sexual fetish. He explained it's something that I didn't choose, and it's something that I live with and that I'm fine with. The idea to write a novel, Vale said, came after he received positive feedback over social media for his memoir. Uh, Titled Raw Deal, the untold story of NYPD's cannibal cop. So lame. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, I realize I have an ability to tell a story. And something coming from me obviously couldn't be a romantic comedy or something, considering my history. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm sorry. What what do you mean? How dope would it be if you wrote a romantic comedy? (laughs) I would have. Starring Adam Sandler. See, that would have been hilarious. In reflection of his writing, I didn't even that have he- an oven. <laughs> that's that's my Sandler. That's the big punchline yeah. of the movie. That's that's in the trailer. In reflection of his writing, he said that he kind of fell into the sexual fetishism through porn and sexual chat rooms. When the other chatters online realized he had a gift for storytelling. <laughs> He was encouraged to play a role, and he eventually fell in love with playing it. It's almost like you're playing D&D and everyone forces you to be the dungeon. Yeah, they're all like, man, this guy tells, this guy gets into it. Oh, I love this, man. <laughs> New fetish unlocked, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for real, there's something about that, even just to finding, <laughs> this sounds bad, but even just when you find a different type of porn, or, or just like a, a thing you see in life, that you didn't know you oh, were yeah. attracted to. Yeah. It it's kind of like unlocking an un, unknown like dark chamber of yourself. It's uh, an awakening and, of swords. Oh dude, so cool. Like, oh shit, I didn't realize some, I was into that, but all right. Yeah, it, it but it's I really find that interesting though because there's parts of us that we don't know and just the fact that something gets woken up inside of us is interesting because we're so sure like of who we are and it doesn't have to be sexual but just when you find a part of yourself that you weren't connected Mm -hmm. with is really interesting and i see how especially online or in porn or in these weird chats that can really like get out of control fast yeah yeah i can absolutely see that 
Vale said the most important part of the chats to him were acceptance. He felt like he could share any part of himself, even the ugliest thoughts he could conjure, and someone would love it. He said the words flowed out of him, and when he turned the computer off, it was gone, like it was never even there. All right, so this one's going to sound weird, because these these kids today probably won't understand. But do you, I know you... You were in it. A I, bit. I was. The I was. Uh, I was online from a young age. Yeah, the old school internet was the wild yeah, west. Yeah, yeah. And I can't lie; those deep internet chat rooms were off the chain. I had some wonderful times. In oh there. yeah, I don't <laughs> know how shit. deep they were, but I definitely was on. Um, what was the one I used to use all the time? It's like teenchat.com. Yeah, chat.com, the aim chat. Oh, yeah. All that. I mean, that shit, like, in reflection, I'm sure there were, like, so many times I was talking to people. Oh, without a (laughs) doubt. Yeah, or or feds and stuff, but the police really weren't that involved in those days. So it was, like, more just, like, Super sketchy, and it it really felt like every young kid with the internet was in these chat rooms yeah. too. <laughs> and the 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 internet wasn't really a place then; it was a thing. I mean, it kind of it was a place, but it it, it was wasn't like it wasn't a place where everyone was. That's fair. Yeah, it was like the people that were in the in group in a way yeah. to to it. So now, like nowadays, yeah. it's like. It's it's just an extension of our society. Yeah. And, and to that point, there is no fucking way I would ever, like, trust a chat today. Oh, yeah, God, You know no. what I mean? Like, outside of, like, a YouTube, like, a, a public moderated chat, there's no way you go on to a random sex chat. Unless, I mean, there are ones by, like, controlled, like, communities, mm-hmm. like, like kink and shit like that but i don't know man you just can't go into random like what because people can just send you shit that as soon as you see it you're you're culpable for something you didn't intend to do like it is sketchy out there does kink have chat rooms and forums they used to they still have forms i believe but i think they got rid of their chat that's why i was a little tentative i know fet life is really big i never really got very into yeah. it but it's like a fetish dating so mm, okay that's one of those um but it's like a safe i was trying one. to think like of a, a christian mingle it's C- christian mingle that. but you you like to be tied up to uh a cross and torture do you remember uh vampire freaks yes oh my god that, that was <laughs> that fun. was wild yeah. shit <laughs> that was like the goth kid myspace <laughs> that's cool as fuck <laughs> yeah fuck yeah fucking rad dog yeah it, it really it, it there's not it's like the only things for the like I don't know. It's all like has to be super controlled or it's like illegal mm-hmm. shit. There's not much in between anymore, except for for Discord. I guess there's a lot of like Discord communities and stuff now, yeah. and there's definitely sketchy shit going on oh, there too. Yeah. But I'd imagine I, I, there's casual chats as well. I mentioned to my aunt that um, I usually use Discord for D and D and stuff like that, and she was like, "Oh, I." I don't mess with Discord. They, she works with a school, and she said um, they yeah. have a lot of different pedophile shit going on on Discord. And Discord apparently Definitely. doesn't do a lot about it. No, they do not moderate underage activity at all, even known activity between adults and minors. That's sexual. They don't. 
they choose not to really get involved. That's pretty fucked. Uh, That's also, pretty fucked because it's, it's, it's extremely convenient to use for D&D. Yeah. You know, uh, Telegram, like, kind of got, like, I, I, I like Signal, but Telegram is kind of fucked. But Telegram is, like, super alt-right since the January 6th stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that got stolen by the, the alt-right from furries. Like, Telegram originally was a furry communication really? system. Yeah, and the furries are, like, bitter to this day that they lost the the war of control of Telegram. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, Run Button used to stream for a little while on, um, and instead of do, do, using Twitch or something, or it might have been before Twitch, um, it was, like, fur stream or something. They would do their video <laughs> games on that. That was fucking funny. really good. Let's go. Let's check back in with uh, our, our homie Vale here. I don't want to say that. He's not our homie. <laughs> Since getting booted from the NYPD and publishing his books, Vale had been working for a friend's construction company. But Vale said that he would give anything to have his old life back. Quote, I love being a cop and I was good at it, he said. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, so I have to figure out a way to make a living. If this book does decent, there will definitely be a sequel. <laughs> I really can't picture him being a cop, but I definitely can picture there being a sequel to this yeah, book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a what a wild yeah. ride. I I you know, I'm really not sure if given the opportunity Vale would act upon the thoughts mm-hmm. or not, but god damn it, he sure looks like he would. <laughs> yep. <laughs> His story in court case raises a lot of important questions. But before we judge, jury, and execution veil, <laughs> do you want to you want to take a stab at some of these uh, questions at play? Uh, yeah. All right. For, so th- th- for, I, for the, I, I do want to point this out because I think this is going to be more fair coming into it. Stephen wrote these questions last night after we finished doing the outline, and Stephen has <laughs> typed out his responses to it. I have not read Stephen's responses to it, and I'm going to be uh, uh, reacting in I real couldn't. time. And answering on the see. answering on the on the uh, the ball here. So yeah. So if Ricky's answer sucks, <laughs> it's okay. All right. First one. This kind of rambles. But does fantasy help us cope or accelerate the likelihood of an action, specifically violent action or crime? Some relevant examples of this include video games, violent movies, sexual fantasy writing, and simulated CP. Can these type of things be used to manage urges, or do they inherently excite people to commit so number one i would say in in a general sense i would say no they don't excite but also it depends on the person and so the the way that i always looked at like the violent video game shit was like like i grew up playing tons of violent video games and shit i was playing like unreal tournament and quake and mortal Kombat and shit when i was really really little so like that wasn't I don't know. It's if you were going to do it, that wasn't good. That's not the thing that sets you off. But in someone's head that would do it, that would maybe help normalize it. Yeah. And they're going to be drawn to it. But, but there is, of course, the also the argument of it helps them cope with that feeling in a way that they. They rear back because they have something to hold. I don't know. It super depends. Not a, there's not a golden rule. 
I think depends is a yeah. fair answer. What I said was pretty similar. I said repeat engagement of activities reactivate those neur- neurological reward pathways. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think very similar to drugs, but just like drugs, each individual reacts different. And I think it comes down to the individual. Whether these type of things are net positive or negative just depends on how the person reacts yeah. to it. Number two, what is the capacity of strangers online to incite each other to graduate fantasy to actually committing violent crime? I feel like it's a lot, unfortunately. I feel like that's definitely a, a huge possibility, especially with and and this is this is definitely doing a little bit of stereotyping, but for someone who has the amount of time there's someone that spends a lot of time on the internet, you would typically imagine this person like in, in chat rooms and stuff like that with in forums and stuff with other people, it's not always the truth, but it typically you can make the assumption that they don't have a lot of friends in in, in life that they communicate with, or at least not about like that they open themselves up to. Yeah, it's definitely not like like you said, it's a stereotype. It, that's not always right. true, but it tends to have a higher percentage yeah. of people that that are that way, for sure. So, for those people, or for for people that are like this is their, you know, um, reaching into society, like this is their communicating with with others around them, uh, or like their main form of communicating with people around them is is online and whatnot. Then you have all of these anonymous people that can put messages in your head that you you have people have the urge to want to please people. Not always, of course, but there is a certain thing of like, you want, we want to be liked at least a little bit. We want people to find us, you know, charismatic and, you know, a part of, you know, a, a whole in a way. Um, so I definitely feel like the the peer pressure online can be just as intense as real life, if not worse. Yeah, I think I agree. We can definitely see this possibility in things like the Christchurch shooting. And I don't, I don't know if you happen to catch it by chance because it just happened last night or yesterday. Uh, there was this grocery store shooting yeah. that was streamed live on Twitch. Um, and unfortunately, that's becoming a new trend to live stream mass murder. When someone is super susceptible to low self-esteem, I think people online can really have a lot of collected conscious control over a weak-willed person. It's super sad, very lame, but I think it's mostly, if not totally impossible right. to predict. Yeah. So, social psychology is just not a good way to predict violent behavior and it's a good way to understand it but not yeah especially you know i don't know i feel like especially online i do want to also say like i feel like it can be more dangerous there because your guard is down in a different way than you would be if you're standing you're like having a face-to-face conversation or even like just how we are like even on skype it's like uh it feels more real and personal than when you're behind a computer and you are free to open up in different ways and exaggerate, you know, a lot more than you would. And that, 
like you said, opens up different neurological pathways of stimulation. A lot of internet gangsters that damn right, you know, keyboard warriors. That way. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. I think this is um, a tricky but interesting one. So, what role do you think the nature of closeted sexual interest may or may not have played in Vale's story? And just uh, just to clarify, do you think he was repressing a part of himself and it like mutated in the darkness, or do you think? He let it grow out of control by not repressing it enough and letting strangers online foster it. Mm, that's a good question. I, I mean, I don't I, think there's any way to like say for sure. Definitely. Um, but what does your gut tell you? I didn't write an answer to this one because I also, I, I really don't know. It's confusing. Mm. I feel like especially because we, we do know that he, he was raised an altar boy and like part of the Catholic church and stuff like that. There's a part of me that wants to say that there is a repression going there. And he did have issues with his parents, which there's <clears throat> there's some goofy, you know, people feel certain ways about Freud, but you're, uh, you're back at your – Growth with your parents as you're growing up definitely has some kind of effect on the way that you perceive the world around you when you yeah. get older. So I would I would bet that it was a repression that led to – his repressing it is what how, – how did you phrase it? It mutated in the darkness. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking I'm going the other way, and I I don't know because I think for a lot of people, the repression of whatever it is of your sexuality, your your interests, perversions, uh, anything that you're repressing as part of yourself, I think it tends to make it, I don't know, more difficult to deal mm -hmm. with later. But it it feels like his particular case might be that he was just. Too open with the wrong people. Yeah. You know, like if he was open about these interests or aspects of himself with a social worker, a therapist, his wife, a, a close friend, like someone, they probably could have helped him figure it out better than he did. But who knows? It's, I, I think in general, it's... I understand why people have to hide parts of themselves, but it it's sad that they feel that way because often the the consequences are are just not great for themselves. Yeah, you know? I mean, like everybody's got the one, the, like one thing that they're like, oh, if anybody found out, like you know, but it's never it's never as bad as you know, like that's the the the. Talking about kidnapping, you know, fantasizing about kidnapping and eating people—that's an extreme one. You it know, is, like, there, I, like some people are like, "Oh, if anyone found out I like feet, like, oh no, feet yeah, feet, feet are what's but, up." But you can defang it though. Like, here's the thing: having fantasies about killing and eating women, right? That's terrible mm. if it's gone too far. But I can. I can put it out there and be like, I've had thoughts like that. 
I've I've probably engaged in some fantasies, but there's a thing between like, all right, you've thought about something, you found it sexually interesting, and you choose not to put your energy into it, and you move the fuck on, and it's like, ah, that, you know, those are fun yeah. ideas for a second. But if you foster it with a, a group of strangers online who keep pushing you to now that, take that it that I definitely agree. Of- so I, I do agree with that part where I feel like there is repressing oh, his repressing is what made it more implode inside of him. But it, it, this is all speculation, of course. But I feel like that it probably wouldn't have. I agree that it would not have been as would not have been as bad. Jesus fuck! If he <laughs> wasn't engaging in active conversation about it, where it was being encouraged in the way that it was. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, to stay like the chat part is fine. It's the sharing information or sharing not information so much, but sharing pictures of people. And, you know, that's the that's the weird part. That's one of the the biggest lines. I'm sure there's probably a lot of lines in this, but that's the part that makes it not okay at all. Because you're you're potentially putting someone at risk without their consent for your sexual pleasure. And that. That's not okay at all. But I, what I do think is interesting is that I think, I think in general people are really not open to, to just not, not like encouraging it, but just acknowledging that we all have lots of weird thoughts, lots of weird fantasies, and it doesn't have to be like the worst thing ever if we choose to not give them that power mm-hmm. and maybe share about them to the to the right people to help us figure right, shit right. out too, you know i don't know well i think those were wonderful questions and even better answers well put steven <laughs> all right but here here's the last last big one before we start getting out of here today this is for all the marbles Regardless of what our legal system decided, in the Trash Cats Court of Law, should Vale Gilberto Vale have been ruled as guilty or innocent of his alleged crimes? Morally, at uh, ethical grounds, like do we do we think he should have gone to prison? Uh, as, as for, to the full extent free. of bird co- bird law, bird um, law. I do feel. Uh, so I feel like he. Like I said it's it's hard because there I feel like there has to be some kind of context to it and it makes it difficult but like when when you're the the police database thing absolutely he he should have done a, I would say a little bit more time than he did for that I don't disagree yeah the sharing information about or sharing pictures of real people it's definitely not illegal it is just weird and it's like there's no like time in jail. I don't know. It's like it doesn't feel like the a proper charge for that. There's just because sharing pictures of people. I don't know. It's just by its nature I is think, is harmless. But I think there's an argument you could make that you are putting them at risk and that they should be able to charge you with something. 
Even if it's just yeah, like, that would be like it would have to be like an individual or, each person that was involved charged yeah, them for a violation of privacy or I, I don't know. So uh, just what do you just you know stock yeah like they're yeah. stocking charges right? But that's 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 where I stand on it. As far as the like I said the chatting shit and the conspiracy to kidnap, I don't. I I guess I I can I can see that. There's not enough to say that without a reasonable doubt, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, that he would have or he was absolutely planning to do these things. So, no, he shouldn't do time for that. So you're basically saying cut him loose, but maybe probation. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Do a little, extra a little, time. a little something else for the fucking police database usage. Or, or why can't they do a prolonged probation with the condition of not being allowed to use the internet? Like, that's a thing they can do for, like, pedophiles and stuff like that. Like, why can't it be, you but know... can't use the internet at all? Conditional... Pro- yeah, or, or social social media, yeah. like, stuff where you're talking to other people, like a conditional probation where, like, hey, you know, we didn't have... You know, the right, I, I mean, they can't after they charge him and he's ruled innocent, but they could have initially charged him with various stalking misdemeanor shit and get him to agree to a conditional probation of no internet, yeah. you know? I don't know. <sighs> I I did have the benefit of, of writing some of this down. Do you mind if yeah, I... Yeah, go for it. So, I, I really do think Vale is capable of going on to commit violent acts. He certainly is still engaging in violent fantasy with his his writing and his books. But Vale's case is not just about him alone. And I I don't want to live in the world where thinking about or even stating my intention to commit a crime is illegal. I would go so far as to say that until the exact fucking moment I pull the trigger, I didn't kill anyone. And I should be innocent. Mm -hmm. I don't believe we can be guilty of doing something that did not happen yet. And to be convicted as guilty of a crime because we write some words is laughable right. to me. I, I think it feels like really childish. Yeah. Like uh, like being caught by a parent, except they send you to prison. To yeah. Die. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're a timeout you forever. S- yeah. You said you're going to do it. Yep. <laughs> it's goofy. I feel strongly about freedom to think and say whatever the fuck I want. But I want every person to have that freedom. And the freedom to be innocent until proven guilty. The freedom to fantasize. The freedom to think freely. And and the right to be judged for our actions and not just our words. It's just so fucking important. If if you think about just a little, little thought experiment. Just imagine feeling the prisons full of all the people who might commit a crime <laughs> or even just all the people who say they will commit crimes you're going to catch a lot of the actual bad guys but you're going to lock up a lot of innocent fucking people too and, and one thing's for sure that world would be boring as fuck <laughs> and we would all be self-censoring and watching over our shoulder in case we we uttered the wrong combination of words and I, I think it's arguable that we are closer to that than we may realize. And despite my hatred for this country, 
our freedom of speech is incredible and absolutely necessary. And I hope it stays that way. As shitty as I think it is to let Vale not have, like, some sort of more severe consequences, because I do think he's at risk of doing something, he didn't. And I think we just have to let him go if we want to have the freedom to say and think shit. So we, we can't read minds, and we certainly can't read hearts. And even if we could read the minds of others, I certainly wouldn't want the state to have that capability. So anytime I see a court case that solely depends on intention to commit a crime, I'm incredibly skeptical. It's almost always a bullshit conspiracy or entrapment charge that with enough money or a good lawyer, the charges would have been dropped or at least gone a bit mm-hmm. differently because there isn't a ton of evidence. Most of these can end in insufficient evidence. Pre-crime law enforcement is bullshit. Law enforcement is not meant to be proactive. It's what we have to do after, like patrolling the neighborhoods and that shit. Yeah. That's still a maybe yeah. to me. But the idea of like searching people's houses or like searching people's cars, stop and frisk, those type of things, because the person might have a weapon, might have drugs, might do something wrong, is just garbage. Yeah. The preventing crime is not a law enforcement task, it is a societal task. Yeah, and it they the whole like proactive law enforcement thing, like eighties, nineties, was really big. And then all the terrorism stuff and Patriot Act, everything they have not looked back. They're all in on trying to stop shit ahead of time. Despite the fact that it is possible Vale may actually offend in the future, I stand with the decision that he should be a free man. I refuse to judge someone for something they might do. Yeah. Because that, that's silly. Yeah. I think I think that's... I got one little thing I'm going to say at the end, but are there any any thoughts? I, I like doing this one yeah, a lot. I thought it was good. fun. Because um, it pushes the bounds. It makes it makes you test how you actually yeah, feel Yeah, this was one of the ones that I, I, I like because I'm... I really am... It's... Especially the way the documentary frames it. I think I told you the other night when we were talking about it. It's just the way the documentary even goes back and forth on like, he's innocent, he's guilty. He's innocent, he's guilty. And it's like, it kind of, it humanizes him while also, you know, showing what a monster he could be, you know, if if the potential is real. And it's like, because they don't really know either, you know, they're, you know giving him the opportunity to share his his view on it and his opinions to the camera but they are ultimately as in the dark as we are like they could be filming this guy this documentary and then you know find out later on that like no he's he does absolutely have these thoughts that he plans on going through with yeah or like 10 years from now we find out he actually killed some yeah. people and ate them like that would make it honestly that would make it a lot harder to stand by my words but right i feel like i have the conviction i still would but man that that makes it challenging yeah you know i you're right though the documentary really pushed that that uno reversal pretty yeah. hard they they made you feel both sides of it which was a fun yeah, ride that's cool i like that i like when it's not like sh- like so one-sided from the start 
you know, yeah. all the way through. I, I enjoy that. Definitely. Well, should, uh, should I wrap this fucker yeah, up? Yeah, man, wrap it up and put it in the trash. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this sounds. So, I know in the past on this podcast, I've I've spoke about some of this before, but I, w- I wanted to share this. When I was in high school, I was absolutely insanely out of control. Suicidal, homicidal. I adored school shooters. They were the best. They were they were my my favorite people. And I I regularly wore sweatshirts, shirts, whatever that had Columbine kid bleached across mm-hmm. my chest. At a few different points during those years, I was dead fucking set on shooting up my school. Or at the very least, just murdering someone. I just wanted to be out of this world, and I wanted to to hurt other people on my way. Um, My brother killed himself, and after that, I really lost the energy to do so. I, I really became just apathetic to it. I just didn't really even care to leave. And then got into drugs instead, because drugs are better than killing yourself. Um, but I would pass time in class <laughs> by drawing blueprints. Uh, and, and there were other people who did it with me. Like, But figure out who puts a bomb where, who has a gun at what door. Like, And it was a blast. Mm-hmm. It made getting through school like gamified. It was fun. <laughs> On hard mode. It was yeah, it was an escape from it, mm-hmm. right? It feels like, you know what? Everyone's fucking up my life. I'm not in control, but, you know, one day I'm going to have my chance to, to do what I want to do. You and, know, at uh, a moment's notice, you, you, you've you been planning for this moment if you so desire. And anyone that yeah. anyone that wrongs you, you're like, man, you have no fucking idea what I'm ready for. Yeah, yeah like straight Eric Klebold or whatever. Do you believe in God? Yeah. <laughs> Like, that kind of shit. Makes you feel powerful. Um, And there's kids at every school like this, which is an interesting problem. But, um, you know, I often had guns in my locker. That was like a thing. Regularly had weapons or guns nearby, and having that potential was very empowering. And uh, in reflection, like, this is like 20 years ago, and after high school, my life only got crazier for a long Mm -hmm. time. But in, in reflection, it's like amazing how fucking crazy shit was. Yeah, and it's I'm not like bragging or I don't think it was good. It was, it's sad, right. uh, but I guess my point is, I was just so sure I would not get through that part of my life without hurting myself or someone else, and other people saw that. And as as weird as it was, like time just kept passing and. Nothing happened. And when I when I look back at that, I contribute I can attribute a lot of that to my choices. Like some of that is me, yeah. right? But there were people around me who made different choices or even just like acted in defense of themselves and things got crazy or just like random shit happened. And I really think the fact that Nothing like death, like involving death, happened was just a roll of the dice, Mm -hmm. like just chaos. Yeah, like I wasn't in control myself at all times, so it feels like a lot of it's just 
a roll of the dice. So when I when I think about and what kind of spawned this episode and these thoughts where I was listening to something about uh, an entrapment case. And, you know, these happen all the time. They get some guy radicalized by feds online and they get him to buy a gun and come up with a plan that would never fucking work. And they didn't even think of or they, you know, often in these cases pretend to be a woman online and they get some, you know, dude with no self-worth to like buy a gun with a bunch of rounds and they send one to prison forever. And that's like so fucked up. Mm-hmm. And when, when I think about that, like what if that killer would be killer was on his way to buy that gun and was in a car accident or, or what if the dude outside of a bank trying to build up his nerve to rob this bank ends up just like getting a call from his wife and goes home to his family. Yeah. Like, can we, we can't call those people murderers, even if they fully intended to, they were going to, they made, they did those overt acts. They had the intent, the mens rea to do so, but they didn't do it. And that's, that's like the part that I just, I feel like gets skipped over. And it's, I agree. it's goofy. It feels goofy. Yeah. It's thought policing kind of shit. It it feels like it it feels like it's doing the same thing as changing reality. It's like they're editing a live stream or rewriting history when we fully assume someone's actions before it happened, even if intent is shown and all those mm-hmm. things. They, they're basically diagnosing someone as crazy before they prove they are. And I, this, this part's interesting. You want to read this? Yeah. During medieval times, many people believed a stone of madness, or Pierre de Foyer, existed inside the skulls of the mentally deranged. One common treatment to cure their madness was to remove the stone. Ah, man. I, I think that's beautiful. The stone of madness in our brain. <sighs> Jesus Fuck, brain surgeries come a long way. Men- yeah, mental but- health, the uh, psychology has come a very long way. Yeah, but it, it feels like the prosecution of thought crime shit is like pulling the stone of madness from a person, but instead of doing so to heal them, like they did in the medieval times, it is done solely just to have something to bash the person's brains out yeah. with. Yep. <laughs> And I, I think with that, we'll end. And as always, the Trash Cats proudly remain a pro-crime podcast. And to clarify that, I've been reflecting on that. I think, <laughs> What's wrong with I think, crime? <laughs> I, I think the big crimes I'm pro, there's some other good ones out there, but I'm pro-drug dealing and pro-revenge. Whatever you got to do to get your revenge, that's great. Outside <laughs> that's so of, outside open-ended. Of- <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> Outside of those oh, things, I kidnapped don't be a dick. three people and ate them to get my revenge. Hey, <laughs> okay. it's all subjective, right? <laughs> thanks again for listening, everybody. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for listening to our bit of madness. Yeah. Definitely joking about the yeah. crime, um, or maybe not. But enjoy <laughs> the thought crimes while you can. Trash cat. Uh, thank you, uh, everyone, again for listening. Thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching Human. 
Thanks, John. Listen to his music, guys. He doesn't do crime. Yeah, so. he's actually a decent person. Uh, make yeah. sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trashcast on Instagram for news and arts from the show. Uh, also, make, ch- uh, make sure to check out Facebook for the memes. If you're super worried, you can check out my trash yard on Instagram at Skyzix, S-K-Y-Z-I-C-X. And if you're super bored, fucking hit up Midjourney AI Art on Twitter or Instagram and tell them that I, Skyzix, from Trash Cats, Trash Cats, need to get in the closed beta because they're not getting back to me. Mm, they're telling me to get and, shit uh, together. I know. Apparently, they are more exclusive than I thought. But um, art's been slow on my end, but always working. Got something new on the way. Shout out to our honorable mentions. We'll be posting their art and links. Uh, Brando Chesa on Instagram and The Last Meal on YouTube. Really cool. Definitely recommend checking them out. And tune in next Wednesday for our next episode, which I think we're freestyling. Got some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. So. Uh, That's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy. Go fast, eat trash. Oh, yeah. I'll kill her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.